This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 45, Waters of Mars Special. This time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, Doug Palumbo and I talk about the latest press release and conference from NASA and proof of water on Mars. In the first section, we speculate about what the big announcement could or should have been about, and the speculation about what kind of life could have existed on Mars eons ago. In part two, we have a snip of the actual press conference, and we wrap things up in part three, discussing what NASA's new findings actually mean and the possible future of the space program, and Doug and I also throw in our two cents on what we should be doing in the realm of space exploration. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our Zazzle page, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Now featuring Fedora Chronicles radio show merchandise from t-shirts, coffee mugs, and tote bags. That's right, you don't have to pledge your support to PBS to get your own special tote bag. You can buy one of ours, and we bet our logo is hipper and cooler than theirs. That's right, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is also brought to you by our Amazon affiliation link. Click our Amazon link on any of our pages or forum topics before you shop and buy whatever you want. That way, you'll get to save some money, have products delivered right to your door, and with no added cost to you, we make a little something in return. If you want to donate to the Fedora Chronicles radio show, you can also do that through our link to our PayPal account. Contribute whatever you believe this show is worth to you. You can also use PayPal, comment section, to tell us what you like about the podcast, what announcements you'd like for us to read, and suggestions on how we can make this product better for you. Just as a friendly reminder, we also have a vendor page you can check out that is linked on the top of our forum. Just go to the Electric Speakeasy, click on the vendor link on the top of the page, and treat yourself to a new fedora. Once again, here is Doug Palombo and me talking about Martian water. We're, 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 we're going to Mars. I mean, whether it's robots or whatever, it's like we, we, we still send equipment to Mars. That in itself is pretty spectacular. Let's, well, not, let, you know, let's not forget that. But I want some good, like, yeah, we got, you know, you know, we found the vacation home for E.T. on the, you know, on the South Rim. You know, that's what I want to know. That's not going to happen. It's either going to be we found liquid water, or we found liquid water and some form of uh, living microbial life. So I guess that answers the question. So, Doug, what do you think that they're going to find on Mars? What I think they're going to find on Mars is water. I think you're right. I think it's going to have something to do with water. If it doesn't, if it's something else entirely, I don't know what it would be. I mean, as, as, as cool as it might be, nobody cares about a new type of rock or a dry lake bed, or dry river bed, or some evidence of something having have happened, you know, millennia ago. Nobody cares about that in the general sense. You know, it's cool because it helps you learn about what happened there and what might happen to us. You know, and we could relate it to Earth in, in, in some way, but nobody cares. People care about what's happening right now. They don't care about what had happened. They want to know about water on Mars that would make it, uh, that could potentially make it more habitable for us and particularly people care about life, whether it's something you can, you know, interact with, like you can visibly see in like a little creature of some kind or a humanoid. That's not going to happen, but, I mean, that's what kind of people care about. 
but if it is life, it'll definitely be something microbial. So it's either going to be water or some kind of microscopic life. Um, other than that, I wouldn't even have a guess as to what it might be. You're not going to go out on a limb and say that it's something else besides they found. Here's what I would like them to come out and say, and I know that uh, what I think that they, they could say or they should say is that they're going to say something about all these strange artifacts that they keep find, seeing in pictures that l like look like things that just don't belong, like machine parts or helmets or alien skeletons or whatever. I'm sorry, I was going to say that I have seen a lot of those pictures as well, and they do seem like things that don't belong there. Like you said, like out-of-place gears, helmets, whatever it is. You know, you're also talking about images that are that are taken a really long distance away and that are sent to and from the recording device. Um, you know, signals are sent to the recording device and we retrieve the pictures back through space. And, I mean, who knows what kind of interference there is and the resolution and, you know, the conditions on Earth. You, you can take a picture here on Earth. Wow, look at that. That's this. No, it's just uh, a weird-shaped tree or exactly. look at the clouds and you'll see uh, a dragon, you know, but really it's just the cloud. Um, yeah. Same thing on, on, on Mars. You don't know what the conditions are, you know, and it's like uh, there could be a rock that has like a weird shape to it. There's plenty. I have, I, I always seem to find here on Earth, I mean, not that I go anywhere else in the solar system, but <laughs> on Earth I seem to find heart-shaped rocks. Like yeah. rocks that have the, the, the Valentine heart shape, by chance. And uh, I always pick them up and I save them. And they're naturally that way, you know, because I'll find them in the mountains in Colorado. Or I found a piece one time on the pier in San Diego when I was in the Navy. It was a, it was a piece of cement that was shaped that way. Yeah, I, I find them all over. And um, But it's a naturally, it either broke that way or it formed that way or somehow was naturally shaped that way not by a man with a chisel and a hammer i could turn that around on you and i can say here in new england people find arrowheads all the time real authentic mm -hmm. indian arrowheads you can turn around and say that all the arrowheads like 90 percent of the arrowheads there are obvious arrowheads are arrowheads created mm -hmm. by the native americans or the indians or whatever specific tribe used to live here a long time ago and like maybe maybe one percent of them are just naturally forming rocks you can you can make the argument one way or another and a lot of these artifacts is like there's something that there's there's a phenomenon for, uh, for this the brain tries to make sense of patterns that it sees you see dragons or bunny rabbits in the clouds that has more to do with your your mind and how your mind interprets the image that it's looking at more than it has to do with the cloud it's all about your perceptions Absolutely. and memories and what your brain is trying to trying to make sense of, of, of what it sees. And yet, on the other hand, you can go in the opposite direction and you could look at a lot of things that, that we think might be artifacts on Mars. And it was just like, if there's some really weird, strange, hinky things out there, maybe the Curiosity rover should be taking a closer look. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I've never been to Mars I've only seen pictures, and those pictures can be, you know, not to get all conspiracy, because I'm not usually like that for the most part, but pictures can be altered and pictures can be changed. If they want us to see or not see certain things, then we'll see or not see certain things. Sometimes it looks like a gear or a, like an unnatural part or a helmet or whatever it is, or a woman, the shape of a woman or yeah. a, a, some, some, some kind of humanoid figure. Sometimes it's just a rock that looks like that. 
Exactly. And I think that I've never been to Mars. Maybe it is a woman. Maybe that is a piece of machinery. I don't know. All I'm saying is that it could be. But more than likely, it's just a rock with sun and environment and atmosphere or lack thereof and, you know, dirt, whatever it is. On the lens, something could be interfering, and it could be perspective. Something might look really far away, but it's really close. Something could look really close, but it's actually really far away. There are many variables. I would like to think that there is something greater than ourselves out there. And I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about like a an alien mm-hmm. um, form of some a a sentient civilization. I'm closer to thinking that what is on Mars is natural and explainable like it to be otherwise but i don't think it's going to be here's what i was thinking as far as the the entire chain of events and what would have to happen if they say we have found evidence that once upon a time an advanced civilization occupied mars here's exhibit a exhibit b exhibit c go all the way down the line and say this is what we have found on mars and obvious that there is intelligent life out there beyond earth and the moon who they are, where they came from, we have no idea if it's life that evolved on Mars or whether or not it's a colony on Mars from another solar system. Maybe it's an advanced civilization, a human civilization like Atlantis, who went out to populate the solar system before a huge cataclysm wiped out all intelligent life or civilization here on Earth before we had to start all over again. I mean, who knows? But the thing is, is that as soon as they say that, they're going to have to start doing like full disclosure on everything to do with UFOs, flying saucers, Project Blue Book, um, mm-hmm. Project Ultra, Project Grudge. They're going to have to just say, okay, we, since we found this life on here on Mars and advanced civilization that once occupied Mars, now we have to come clean about everything else that we've lied about in the past 70 or 80 years. You could say that they would have to do that, but having been in the military, you know, I guess working for the government, it's like I wasn't privy to any of those conspiracies, but I know that if they want to keep a secret, they'll keep a secret. doesn't matter what, what we think or say. It could be right out in front of you. Like when they first got satellite pictures of, of Groom Lake, Area 51. I don't know if it was during the Clinton administration, but that, you know, here's the pictures. Nope, that doesn't exist. Exactly. Here are the pictures. Nope, doesn't exist. And then eventually, it's, it, it's there. It, it's a physical thing. They, they can't deny it, but when presented originally with the pictures, even though these are the pictures and this is exactly what was taken, nope, that, that doesn't exist. So it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. If they, the big they, doesn't want us to know about it, we're not going to know about it. They, at least they're not gonna, going to admit that, you know, what it is is actually there even if presented with no, they're not gonna do that. Um, evidence. But to get back on track. Talking um, about Mars. Talking about Mars. Um... I am very excited to see what they say. I think it's going to be, as we said, something about water or something about microbial life or maybe a combination of the two. But more than likely, it's going to be definitive evidence of liquid water, standing liquid water, like either flowing or a lake or something like that. Yeah. Um, surface water, subterranean water, which would be good for future Mars exploration because you can use the water to, you know, water as we know it, to drink, to grow, to create atmosphere potentially yep. so if we if eventually if, they, if it's there and we eventually go to mars you know we could build our our biodomes or whatever it is that we built and then tap that as a source of life and as power even you know you can create 
water turbines or something, and it would help sustain us on Mars. So if there is liquid water, then um, hopefully that would get uh, the power that that be moving to get manned Mars exploration going. Here's another thought that had just occurred to me, and everything that you said is probably most likely what they're going to come out and say. If it is going to be something pretty well grounded as far as um, free-flowing water on Mars... Um, ice forming on Mars, or what if they found evidence of primitive, prehistoric, primitive animal life that once existed on Mars before um, they, you know, the climate change occurred on Mars? I think that that would be exciting. That would be fantastic. I think that that would be such an event. I think that that, that would cause like incredible culture shock here. I think people would go um, go Mars crazy and get space fever and want to go out. Let's send out like archaeologists or zoologists or whatever out to Mars and take a closer look at the, the wildlife that, that came extinct on Mars and check all that out and bring it back to museums and stuff like that. I think it could turn the global culture upside down. I really do, and I hope it does. I hope it does for the better. I think we, we need a little, whatever this is, I think we need a little space fever. Yeah. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Uh, The discovery we're going to talk about today uh, really is most exciting because it suggests that it would be possible for there to be life today on Mars. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jim Green to describe a little more detail and background. Thank you very much, John. You know, we're making enormous progress with our current orbiters and rovers, as John mentioned. And this is really to look at Mars because it is the planet that's most like the Earth. It is, of course, as we've talked about, the destination for human exploration going beyond Earth. If we go back perhaps three billion years and take a look at Mars, Mars was a very different planet. It had an extensive atmosphere. And in fact, it had what we believe was a huge ocean, perhaps as large as two-thirds of the northern hemisphere. And that ocean may have been as much as a mile deep. So Mars, indeed, three billion years ago, had extensive water resources. But something happened. Mars suffered a major climate change and lost its surface water. Today, we're revolutionizing our understanding of this planet. Our rovers are finding that there's a lot more humidity in the air than we ever imagined. As we ingest the soils, they're moist, they're hydrated, full of water. These discoveries are very important, but they were only part of the hydrological cycle on Mars that we're just now beginning to understand. What we're going to announce today is that Mars is not the dry, arid planet that we thought of in the past. Today we're going to announce that under certain circumstances, liquid water has been found on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I I I think that we nailed it. I think that we said exactly what they were going to say, and there, there really wasn't any real surprises, I guess. You know, I, you know, I was reading up on it, 
prior to the video starting, um, and you know, other other outlets were kind of saying exactly. You know, they had not leaked it, but they just said this is more than likely what they're going to say. And yeah, what we said and what I read is exactly what NASA wound up saying. Par for the course. Whenever you're dealing with a government agency, they do a press release major news outlets and then they have a press conference where they sort of answer questions that they've right. al- they've already answered in the press release that they gave out just before the press conference and it was just like I would have thought that they would have been the other way around that they do the 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 press conference and then the press release but I guess they do it the other I, way around yeah then. that way you know it kind of is more of a it's not a big deal it's oh we have a big announcement when they've already done it you know, two hours ago. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's also rather frustrating stuff like this because, you know, I'm, I'm rather confident. How long does it take to get to Mars? If we were to send people to Mars? It, it really, eight, nine months, something like that? If you were to turn everything over to somebody like Elon Musk, it would probably take us one way, about maybe a year. Okay, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm confident technology and information right now today that, you know, we build a rocket and we could send two, three people, I don't know, back there and back and send them with enough, you know, it would be just enough food and supplies to get them, and they'd have to ration to get there and back. Yeah. Um, you know, spend a week on Mars and then come back. And, you know, I think you could do it with enough fuel. You have a, uh, you know, an orbiter, and then you send them down, even with modern t- today's technology, send them there and bring them back. You know what? It's dangerous, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, maybe I'm just being impatient, but sending a signal to Mars and waiting however many hours it takes to get there, the rover to do what it was told to do, and then, you know, moving, you know, a couple inches, if that, mm-hmm. and then sending a signal back, analyzing the signal, send them back, Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why we can't send people there, spend a week, and then come back. I mean, it would be hard, it would be tough, and somebody might die. Yeah. Or they all might die. I don't know. People would do it. There are people that would volunteer to do it, like legitimate astronauts. I'm not saying, like, you know, some guy, I mean, or some gal. You know, legitimate scientists would volunteer to do this, even with the dangers involved, because all this sending information back and forth, I mean, it takes too long, and I understand we got to do it to learn, but... You know, oh, you know, why not send a send a you know a ship out there? Don't even bother to land. Let's just let's just do this first. Send a ship out there. You can have a bigger ship. Uh, you don't have to have the you know the small craft to land, yeah. and then worry about enough supplies. You have the bigger ship. Just do like a um, a stationary orbit or a semi-stationary orbit around Mars, where they can in I would imagine almost real time send signals back and forth to the rover to do things faster and potentially easier. Yeah. They can firsthand observe Mars from some orbit, you know, take pictures and manipulate the rover, like I said, and then come back. And that way they can do probably three, four years worth of work in whatever time that they're there because there is a significant decrease in the in the uh, transmission back and forth to Earth from Mars. Well, here's the question that I want somebody to ask. And maybe you and I are overqualified to ask this. Where is the national will to go to Mars? Where is the national will to explore space? 
what happened to us since the end of the Apollo program that ended so abruptly? Because I, I don't know. It scares me to think that we are just a nation of just fat, lazy cowards who we we like our space technology and we like all the conveniences of the space technology, but we don't want to go to space to explore space with the space technology that we're enjoying. And it was just like... As much as we learn from going to space and as much as we discover by going out there and taking the universe, you know, by the horns, I I hate to make it sound selfish, but we, we get so much more out of space exploration than just the exploration of space. We get more from it for our own daily lives, like I said before. Yeah. Most of the technology we have today, a good portion of it comes from, you know, is a side effect of exploring space and going to the moon and orbiting the Earth, the high-altitude test flights back in the Chuck Yeager days. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've learned so much from that, and we have so much because of it that we'd be better off as a as the human race, to go back to space than not to go. Here's a a perfect analogy for why we should be going out into space. Every once in a while, I like to just get in the car and just go in a specific direction. You know, my kids or my wife would ask, well, what are we going to do when we get there? And it's like I say, I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. And it, it was just like, well, how do you solve this problem? How do you solve that problem? How do you do this? How do you do that? How are we going to take care of? And it's like there's a whole litany of things. This is, you know what? Here's a great idea. The way that we're going to solve these problems is if we actually try to solve these problems rather than just say, oh, geez, we don't have a solution for that problem. So we're not going to try and solve it now. We're not going to speculate on how to. I mean, everything about the, the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Skylab, Space Shuttle, um, all those programs, all those projects was that, okay, we're going to send people to the moon. We don't know how we're going to do it. We, and I, think, I think some president, Jack Kennedy said, we don't know what it's going to take to get there. But if we try, look, look at what we did during World War II. Look at all the advances that we had because we had to solve these problems. And I'm not just talking about the atomic bomb. I'm talking about other, other technologies. Yeah. We did that because of, we were trying to end a war. And we figured out, how to do things that we never would have been able to figure out if it wasn't for the need to figure it out. I know that sounds redundant. Yeah, we had to. We had, no, had... it doesn't sound redundant. Exactly. And I'm not saying that, you know, being careful isn't good. And we probably could have had a lot fewer disasters, maybe more successful um, in the long run, had we taken our time to go to the moon. And we took our time. I mean, they didn't just, you know build some rinky-dink rocket and send it up. I mean, they were smart, and they did the right things, and they did testing. But if we took more time, took, you know, more care, sometimes you have to just take what you have and go and do it. You know, exploration is about whether you're a man or woman. makes no difference. It's about having balls to go out there and say, I'm going to do this, not for me, but for the betterment of mankind, to go out there and risk your life, not carelessly, but, you know, I think all astronauts understand that they might not come back. Even if it's a simple orbit around the Earth or going to the International Space Station, they understand that if something bad happens up there, there's very little chance of them coming back alive. And, yeah. you know, it's like sometimes you need to do that and to just go out there and, you know, live on the edge and take the chance and see what happens. You I, know, I mean, yeah. you're always taking a chance no matter how prepared you are, but sometimes you need to take just, all right, this is good enough, let's go. I think the problem with our generation and kids that are younger than us 
is that we have no drive. What's the purpose? What's the meaning of, of life? What's the point of having all these technological advances if we're not going to do something new and unique and special with it? And it was just, I mean, there are people who have so many wild, crazy ideas. A perfect example. Let's take the International Space Station, um, put a couple of booster rockets on it in strategic places, and send the International Space Station to Mars and orbit around Mars and do everything that you talked about, but do it from the International Space Station orbiting Mars. And it was like so many people would say, well, that would be just so expensive. It's already paid for. It doesn't even need to be the whole IS. Do it with something that's smaller. You know, without as much, you know, because there's things on the ISS they wouldn't need to use. And then send that, you know, build another one. I mean, I don't think it'd be, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it could be done relatively easy. And I just want to know the answer to this question. How come we don't want to do it? If they ask me, like, Eric, do you want to uproot your entire family to go live on a space station orbiting Mars or Jupiter, one of the Jupiter's moons, Saturn, whatever. Or if they had like an experimental spacecraft to go visit another star or something like that, would I want to go? Heck yes. And take my family. If it was up to me, you know, and I could look at my wife and say, hey, you could do medical research, you know, on the effects of space. And, and I'm sure, I mean, if push came to shove, I'm sure that she would love to go under the right circumstances. But it was just like so many problems here on Earth have been solved with space technology. I can't believe how much our society, I'm not saying, I don't want to say degraded, because that might sound demeaning. But I, I just can't, it's just like we've lost our national will. And it was just like, we look at the European Space Agency, and they're just doing great stuff. And it's like, I, I sort of think that it was just like the American spirit has migrated. And it was just I like, think so too, like I was saying earlier about, you know, Commander Hadfield. You know, uh, the Canadian astronaut from the, that was commander of the ISS, um, oh, what was it, two years ago. And it's like, he's everything that the American astronauts used to be. You know, he's out there, he's, he's got charisma, he's, you know, engaging, and he makes you want to pay attention. He makes you want to see more. And I'm not saying that American astronauts don't have that. All I'm saying is that, you know, because of him and the Canadian Space Agency, it reignited my interest in space exploration again. And, you know, and again, it's not our astronauts, and it's not necessarily NASA. It's why is our government not promoting that as much as they should be? And, you know, pushing, you know, making a big deal about, uh, you know, an American going into, you know, back up into space or going to the space station or whatever it is. Why does it take Canada? Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, one of the things is like I wanted to mention is that so many of our fellow nerds and geeks are really into comic book movies and you know science fiction movies and tv shows and we're all getting excited about the upcoming star wars movie i think that the reason why we are so wrapped up in that and that the fiction and the fantasy we really don't have anything else we don't have anything real who could i vote for who is going to say we are going to have a brand new updated version of apollo we're not going to call it apollo we're going to call it something else but we're going to have a brand new space program we're going to do something and it's something that people can get really really excited about and it's like instead of getting all excited about the millennium falcon how about we get really excited about spacex's falcon and being able to send people up into space to do like real science and do real engineering and it was like put put like colonies up in space i think that that's one of the reasons why 
we're missing stuff. And it's like you look at like myself, and it's like over the past couple of months, I've really gotten into diesel punk. And the reason why I'm getting so into diesel punk is because that's the spirit of adventure. That it's a spirit of adventure and excitement and all the accoutrements that it's like an offshoot. It's a different direction from from where we veered off in the in, in the forties and fifties. And it was just like I, I would I would dump all of this fantasy nonsense if I could be a part of the space program. Well, I would disagree with you only in that I do agree that we, we, we tend to think what we do on Earth, you know, in these modern times so important, you know, and you know, why do we need to spend so much money on NASA? I'll say that, you know, that they, you know, being interested in the fantastic, whether it's, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek or superhero movies, something that, you know, occupies our sense of fantasy and adventure, they don't have to be exclusive. They can work together. You can be inspired by Millennium Falcon or I want to fly the Millennium Falcon. Well, I can't, so maybe I'll become an astronaut. We need to encourage a dual interest, you know, and, you know, one could benefit the other for sure. That is such a great idea, and, and you're just so right on target because, you know, I wanted to get into astronomy. I wanted to be an astronaut. Because of Steve Austin and and uh, Han Solo, you know, to, to rattle off just two names right there. I, I think that that would be an awesome idea. And it was just like, he, here's a great idea. Get all these cosplay members together and say, okay, let's make a really cool but functioning looking uh, spacesuit or, a, you know, a space uniform. And get all these people who like to um, use their 3D uh, printers and instead of like making props make like real space tools that not only function but look cool and i think that's what i was looking for from this big huge nasa announcement that they were going to say hey this is what we found on mars and we are going to ramp up the mars program i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i i, I said to myself i was not going to get political on on our, our podcast i was not going to talk about um, Republican versus Democrat. I was not going to be partisan, but I'll say something. I will say this. Barack Obama ran on a platform that's basically everything that we just said. Get people excited. Get kids excited about space exploration. Get them interested in science. And yet the the budget for NASA keeps getting trimmed. And I'd like to just say to, you know, President Obama, you know what? How dare you? How How dare you? You know? Let's figure out how we can take some of this war money and put it into space exploration. I know I'm probably sounding like a, like a moon bat or a liberal, but you know what? Who cares? Who cares what I sound like? Because there's a part of me that also thinks that the reason why we're involved in all these wars is that we don't have anywhere else to put all of our energy. I really believe that sometimes. I think that the reason why people in the Middle East join ISIS is because... They're angry and they're pissed, and but they also have nothing better to do. Put put the resources, put some of our military resources into cooperative, peaceful space endeavors. And I'm Eric Fisk, and I approve of this message. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's my political campaign message there, right there. I think that it was just like if the politicians actually got together and said, hey, "Let's put some effort into exploring space again." But that'd be great. And you know, they were we were expecting you know this, that, or the other thing from this announcement today from NASA about Mars. You know, I think the disappointment was not that it wasn't exciting news or scientifically important. And maybe I misinterpreted it, but they said, you know, this is it. This is exciting. Yes, it, it could lead to life and and Mars colonization. And they said all this stuff that you know is all this that this information could lead to. But yet, but well, we're going to take it slow. We're going to take it easy, one day at a time. We're going to continue the war with the rover. And it's like, okay. 
how about, like I said, let's just get there. And you know what? We don't even have to go to Mars. Why don't, why don't we start harvesting some of the near-Earth asteroids, like uh, land little factories or little mining operations? And it's like, okay, if we're running out of precious metals here on Earth, let's go get them out of the asteroids that they're going to fly into the sun anyway. You know, sooner or later, we're going to lose those resources. And next time that there's a there's an asteroid that flies by, I know this is like really Flash Gordon um, um, do that I'm talking about right now. But why not? Why not try that? You know, attach a little factory or something or a little mining ship on one of these asteroids with, with like big huge rockets and... And get them to, you know, get them around a stable orbit around the moon or, or Earth and, and just pick those things clean. There are so many things that we could be doing. Get, you know what, get it in gear. Let's light this candle. We could even, we could even send stuff to Mars ahead of time. Just keep launching rockets, having them, you know, parachute down or use those, you know, inflatable bubble things that they have for the, for the rovers when they land. And it's like... Send the stuff to Mars, food, water, fuel, building materials, whatever it is. Just keep sending it to Mars. Just have it land in the same area. Then we land with like a command module yeah. or like, a, like, 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 like an orbiting ship. Send down, land somewhere nearby that all those supply shipments were dropped. Collect it all. And then, you know, the canisters or the that had all these things, you use those to build your structure. And all the stuff there, you don't have to bring it with you all in one shot. Do it. Once again, I'd like to thank my co-host, Doug Palumbo, with his thoughts and views on this special announcement about the waters of Mars. Featured in this podcast were clips taken from Gustav Holst's The Planets, Orson Welles from War of the Worlds, live broadcast from CBS, the actual NASA Press Conference, and audio from the trailer of the Doctor Who episode, of course, Water of Mars. Once again, please check out our Zazzle page, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Do your shopping via the Amazon link on the top of all of our pages as a way of supporting us. Or send us your donations via PayPal along with your comments, suggestions, or copy that you'd like for us to read as your commercial. The link of all of these can be found on our main page. A final special thanks to all of you, our listeners. Thank you for downloading our podcast and subscribing via iTunes. As always, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off. Keep your chin up and your fedora on.